Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago. Our guest this episode is Indian Lakes PGA professional Lou Salarte. For over two decades, Lou has coached many top players in the Chicago area and many junior golfers who have played at the collegiate level. His teaching system includes video and 3D motion analysis, personalized mental game coaching, and he is also certified by the Titleist Performance Institute. For more information on Lou, visit his website at lousolarte.com. That's L-O-U-S-O-L-A-R-T-E.com. Thanks for joining us today, Lou. Can you start by talking a little bit about how and why you got involved with golf? I've been a pro since uh, 86, and I've worked at um, uh, various clubs, uh, mostly on the East Coast. Came back to Illinois. I grew up in Highland Park up in the in the North Shore, mm-hmm. and I uh, came back to Illinois in uh, 96, I believe it was, and was the uh, director of instruction um, at Cantini Golf for, I guess, about 13 years, and then left there a couple of years ago. Um, I got teaching full-time when I was at the Country Club of Fairfield in Fairfield, Connecticut, and um, my, uh, you know, one thing I found out quickly was that there's there's just so many different aspects, aspects actually um, being an effective uh, coach. Um, got to be able to fit golf clubs, um, you know, the uh, teach the mental game, uh, golf swing mechanics, you know, the, the obvious one. And then um, in the last 10, um, 10 years or so, golf fitness and uh, 3D analysis and, uh, you know, now the launch monitor technology is really taken off in the last six, seven years. Um so just to be a well-rounded coach um, was always my goal when I, you know, when I went full time. So when I was at Cantini, I, I created a um, um, sort of a, a one-stop shop that um, you could uh, you could get all those uh, things in one place, as opposed to to um, you know having to see a specialist in in different areas. So that that's always been my goal um, is to just kind of stay ahead of the learning curve and and learn as many different um, uh, things as um, as I could just to be a well-rounded coach. So and you also have a bit of a background in baseball, is that correct too? I do. Um, I'm actually in the process of um, of taking over uh, Five Tool Baseball Academy in Aprilville and. Um, I was a uh, baseball player as well in my um, in my youth, and um, actually pretty good. And I got um, um, I got back involved with it when I started doing uh, 3D analysis with uh, Chris Walsh at Xenolink, and um, uh, I was one of his first few uh, golf clients back in in 1998, and. Uh, Chris Chris does 3D analysis in virtually every sport. Uh, his two main are baseball, uh, pitching and hitting, and then golf. But he's also done uh, a lot of work with the um, U.S. track and field. Uh, he's done New England Patriots, um, football, 
he's worked with the Calgary Flames uh, in um, in hockey. And um, once I got the the golf, um, you know, I got effective at at reading the grass and you know prescribing sort of training um, regiments and golfers. He um, he, he, he he's always said that the golf is really the most difficult of all sports, you know, as far as a, from a 3D analysis perspective. And I got interested in um, in the baseball, and uh, and he was right. I mean, I got once once I I had the uh, the uh, learning base for golf, the baseball came pretty easy. And um, I got hooked up with uh, Five Tool Academy about four years ago, doing their 3D analysis and. And then just got back into, uh, or got into coaching, uh, both pitching and hitting, you know, more from from that sort of angle, which is, which is just not found in, uh, you know, traditional baseball instruction, at least at the root level. And so then, your experience with the 3D analysis is that something that you uh, utilize with, uh, like, what kind of percentage of the, your golf students do you you kind of implement that with too oh i would say um i would say at one point or another um the longer i stay with a client uh oh i let's see i would say probably 50 percent okay um and um you know especially somebody that's um that's really trying to to make a go of it as a as a professional, I always do it. it uh, the 3D analysis really um, is sort of the underlying fingerprint of the motion. You know, it kind of drives the mechanics what we see with our eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, a lot of times, what's what's happening at the surface, um, if you don't see kind of what's underneath it supporting, it's very difficult to uh, very difficult to change. But you uh, see a lot of players that get great lessons, but um, once they go back out on the golf course or get under the uh, under competition, um, those underlying patterns, you know, take back over. So the brain typically likes what to do, uh, you know, what it's familiar with as, as opposed to what might be best. So I think that's where that 3D really, um, really helps you... Uh, and make learn-term uh, sort of changes. So then in addition to your 3D um, analysis background and all the other, as you said, kind of putting together all these uh, tools in your on your tool belt and your your background with the, with the uh, Five Tool Academy, you're also, you just uh, started with Indian Lakes, is that correct, too? Yes, uh-huh. yeah, I just started there um, uh, back in April. Okay. And there you're able to kind of implement all of these other tools that you've, you know, from full swing well, through the... it's going to take a little time to um, to uh, to get the client base up there. And, uh, you know, really we're, the, the way we're going about it is just we're trying to get a, a, uh, a really good junior go- golf program going. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, have, uh, I have a lot of adult clients um, that are up in that area. But it, it'll take a little time to to, uh, to kind of get the word out up in that area. You know, even though I'm, I'm moving, what, 20 miles or so, 15 miles, um, 
it 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 does make a difference you know it just seems like once you get out of your neighborhood mm-hmm. um, even though i have a somewhat recognizable name in the you know golf industry to get it to the root level um uh, it'll take a little while to build everything back up. So one of the other tools in your arsenal that's very interesting to me is your um, your certified with golf site. Can you tell me a little bit about that and kind of the mind fitting approach that they talk about? Sure. Um, golf site was started by um, Dr. Deborah Graham. Um, I want to say back in the mid to late eighties, and uh, and she actually did her uh, doctorate. Um, with uh, Formula One uh, drivers, and uh, what she did is she uh, she gave um, and, and I don't I don't know the numbers, but I, I imagine it would have been a pretty significant amount of of data she collected. Uh, drivers a uh, 16 PF Cattell uh, uh, 16 PF personality profile, and what she wanted to see um, was you know was there a was there sort of a mental model, um, you know, that made up uh, a great Formula One driver? And then she took that sort of that um, that research, and she's a golfer at the time, and um, and started working with uh, LPGA Tour players. So uh, she formed um, three groups, three test groups. One was um, champions. Uh, the champions group at least 10 years on tour and then an average of one win per year. Or if, uh, if you had a player, um, you know, say like John Daly, who, who'd won, uh, who's won two majors, um, that sort of counted as a, as a champions group if you did really well in majors. Um, the second group was the near champions, uh, 10 years on tour, one or two wins, and then the third group was the non-champions, ten years on tour with non-wins, uh, with zero wins. And um, so, what she found in the um, in the champions group of these sixteen personality traits was that eight of the traits um, the champions group scored um, within the ninety-five percentile, so a fairly significant um, significant number. And that's what she she developed the um, the eight traits of champion golfers. So then she she then took that research and applied it to PGA Tour players and senior PGA Tour players. Um, just because she, she you know obviously she felt um, a men's tour player really wouldn't buy into what she found with the LPGA, so she wanted a uh, confirmation of her findings. You know, cross gender. And uh, and she found that it was virtually the same. So what she's done is she's developed a um, a program within the eight traits, um, you know, uh, for for lack of a uh, of understanding, is she's created sort of a mental model. And then when uh, when a student comes in, the first step is is to uh, is to do the uh, personality assessment. We see where their you know where their scores are. And then we overlay their profile over the champion's profile, and then we we get to work on the uh, you know most significant areas. Does that give you a sense? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, I, I guess uh, can you give me kind of an idea as how do you 
like say you know you talk about the eight uh, personality components. Uh, say for example that I'm missing a lot of that. How do you go about improving that, or uh, can you? You know, can I can I be adjusted, and can you work with me so I could score higher and improve myself in those specific areas? Well, within you know we're not we're talking about personality. Mm-hmm. So um, the um, the big um, First, we we uh, we do a um, you know sort of initial consultation. We see what the uh, what the main issues are with the player, and then we, uh, as I said, we do the uh, personality assessment. Then, within each of the eight traits, there's skills that that you can learn. Um, you know, say an, an effective uh, pre-shot routine. Um, if somebody tends to have a little bit wider Focus, meaning that their uh, their senses are are stimulated externally. Somebody that that stands over a pot and and, uh, and notices people walking around or hears the cart going in reverse, two fairways over, um, versus somebody who's more sort of internally stimulated. So you've heard these, the stories about Hogan, you know, or he'd walk by you and wouldn't recognize you, or, or uh, Nicholas, where his hat blew off, and you know he walked off the green, didn't even didn't even know his hat was no longer on his head. So that's somebody that that's kind of um, uh, able to block things out. So we see uh, we see where that person is, and then within each of the eight traits, there's skills, uh, mental skills that we uh, that we teach um, that help you, you know, get at, at least get better on the golf course. You know, we're not looking to change somebody's somebody's personality but at mm-hmm. least we we sort of hold up the mirror we let them see where the uh where their mental game um is uh is causing them to lose shots um uh, where their mental game is uh, is causing them to be uh, uh less than effectively you know prepared to play tournament golf um and basically how they they may be mentally sabotaging their game yeah, I think that that was one of the things that stood out with me when I was learning a little bit more about golf psych. I mean, there was a couple of the c- components that they talked about the working you to working with you to improve on, and, and a couple of them were eliminate faulty thinking and strengthen your confidence. Kind of stuck out with me. I recently right. was uh, playing around, and I was playing very well through about the first eight holes, and right around ninth, tenth hole, I started to get that idea of, well, how long is this going to last? You know, and I was almost self-sabotaging myself at that point in time, thinking, right. oh, okay, well, you were you were playing above your level, and right. I was thinking, how do I how do I do this? Why do I do this? Right, exactly. So so a lot of it, um, you know, you're you're obviously getting ahead of yourself, so that mm-hmm. you know you've heard the old cliche, um, one shot at a time. So one of the uh, one of the things um, that we use, and you know, in that particular scenario is that we we give you a um a set of skills to uh to help you um sort of exchange thoughts at that point right so one of one of them that i use is um uh, uh, you know once the players acknowledge you know uh oh here i go you know here I'm, I'm thinking or i'm getting way ahead of myself obviously so somewhere around the eighth hole you probably started thinking about your career best round or if if I do this, 
if if I shoot 39 on the back, then I break 70. You know, all, all mm-hmm. sorts of all sorts of little mind games. So we we at that point we give you if this happens, then count backwards from 100, and then with with each number, you know, for for uh, especially guys that love sports, I get them to think about you know, um, an athlete whose number represents the number that you're at. So 99 would be mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. 98 um, would be, you know, alignment in football. 97, you know, and so on. And and you actually go out and you find, you know, numbers that re- uh, or players in different sports that represent um, that particular number. Mm-hmm. And then you just start going backwards and, you know, as far back as you can take it. And typically, if you get really effective at that game, then uh, since the mind really can only think of one thing at a time, then what that does is it it, it, uh, it just takes you out of that negative thinking. Hmm. So it's just replacing a thought at that point in time. Replace the thought. Um, another one is, um, uh, and this was a, a great one at Cantini is, is uh, is typically when a when a player is uh, is in inside their heads, um, you know if you if you watched any of the open yesterday, um, that after about the fifth hole they didn't they didn't show uh, Dustin Johnson anymore. You know he's pretty much out of contention. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of the times that they were showing him, he was staring straight down. So typically, when a player is looking down, he's not really looking at anything. As much as um, he's inside his head, so we uh, we have our players uh, pick their eyes up, and then at, at courses up in the north, uh, especially at uh, Cantini, is I have them count squirrels. So, yeah. so you look up in the trees, and then how many squirrels can you find? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean anything anything that that uh, that will take their attention and throw it outwards. Right, so you're you're bringing information in as opposed to creating it inside your head. Again, has that that same effect um, where um, where you're actually substituting the thought as opposed to standing there and saying, "No, I can't think about that. I can't think about that." You know, you've heard that uh, in psychiatry circles. You know, they say, "You know, don't think about the pink elephant. Don't think about you know." And the more you say that. The pinker and the bigger the elephant seems to get. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. That the whole idea of controlling your thoughts, controlling you, you know, what's being pumped into your mind and how you're affecting towards. It. And I would imagine golf probably lends itself to that probably more than any other game, just because it is so cerebral. It's cerebral, and you just have so much time in between shots. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in tennis, the next serve is coming within thirty seconds. You know, mm-hmm. so you've you in, in tennis, um, uh, j- just by the nature and the speed of the game, uh, the mental game uh, tends to be different. Golf and uh, and baseball pitching tend to be tend to be somewhat similar. Uh, again, because of the pace of the game, and and you're actually the one that's that's controlling uh, controlling the action. You know, meaning once you get over the ball, um, you know, golfers are, are are limited in time as our as our pitchers. Um, but you can, you know, thirty 
30 to 30 seconds to a minute over the ball. I mean, it's just an eternity. So one of the things that always uh, seemed to happen with me, and I think I'm getting a little bit better, thankfully, with age, but when things would go bad for me on the golf course, it would seem like the whole world would be kind of imploding. And literally everything could be going from it's a beautiful day and we're having a great time out here to, you know, it's a horrible day in my mind and my game has never been worse. And it's it's funny how the whole world could come collapsing down quickly. Is that something that's kind of unique? Uh, You know, that whole, the way we put everything into, you know, how our lives are shaped on the golf course, or is that... uh, you know, is that unique to golf, or is that something that uh, that you see? You know, you could see with other sports, or um, or is it a case of like you said, where you just have so much time in between shots? Well, I, I, you know, that's that's part of it, and then um, a lot of a lot of that um, that part of the of the mental game um, is. Uh, is is a is a player's reality you know how we how we think about things uh we tend to create you had alluded to earlier um you know you got the eight and then here we go you said something like here we go again mm-hmm. right well typically we we like to to sit down with a player and and really break um you know go go back um in time and recreate um, recreate history. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, especially tournament players, they can they can typically go back to a round or a point in their lives that that um, where certain things might have happened that created sort of those thoughts, like you know, woe's me, the you know, the world, everybody's against me, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the skills that I use, um, I'm also a um, NLP practitioner, uh, neuro linguistics programming. And one of the uh, and, and one of the uh, the skills that I learned in NLP was um, recreating past history. You know, so you, you basically you, you you take a person and you yeah, sit down, and it's almost like a you take them into a meditative state. And you have them relive um, that situation or describe it in as uh, as much uh, detail as possible. So their playing partners, the the weather that day, mm-hmm. um, you know how they how they got to that point in their round, you know that that one thing may have happened. And then uh, and then what we do is is uh, it's just like re- or, uh, rewriting a scene in a movie, is we have them take it through that with a take them through that with a different outcome mm-hmm. and then um, in time just just teach the player how to unhook that so that when they get in similar situations they have uh, their their brain starts drawing from a, from a, a different resource and so they when they get in that in that same situation and around you know then it, then it may be uh, when we rewrite the script it's just simplifying the shot um meaning uh you know if if they had to hit a uh you know they they hit a drive in a in a tough position and then what they did was they they tried hitting a sort of miraculous recovery shot 
and the ball ended up in a worse place. And you know, very similar to what happened to, to Dustin Johnson yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if if I had been his, his caddy, <laughs> I would have just had him walk backwards down the fairway and just just completely disengage. Hmm. Um, you know, from from where he was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that uh, that the, that pitch shot he he uh, he tried to hit. Um, from that, um, uh, after he he hit it left-handed. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Then he flubbed that little pitch. I mean that that just looked like a shot that that you would hit when you're screwing around with your buddies on the you know on the on the practice screen where you you, you flip the face open and then just do goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I I would have I would have just disengaged them. Um, you know, completely from the situation and just, you know, hey, let's let's just figure out a way to start this round over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have done something to kind of get him out of that situation. So he, he'll he have to unhook that mm-hmm. if he doesn't want to be drawing from that, um, from that experience at any point, um, you know, in his career from this point on. And in your experience with NLP, is that sort of a process that, that uh, Dustin Johnson would go through? Is that uh, is that doable for him? I mean, is he oh, going absolutely. to be able to do that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do this stuff. NLP, I, I don't know if you know much about NLP, but it's uh, it's neuro linguistics programming. Um, if you Google like NLP of Chicago, and it it's basically um, uh, the study of of human excellence and how how we do things sort of at a uh at a subconscious level mm-hmm. and then uh you know the opposite of that is is how we we do the the exact same things but only just wire things together so that we can achieve that uh that state of excellence mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that he he could definitely do that and it'd probably be a, a pretty good idea for him forward um you know, because I'm sure that that was such a, a uh, traumatic experience for him. Mm-hmm. You know, so the the what he did would would be, uh, you know, he he almost feels as as badly as I would imagine as Graham McDowell feels, you know, exhilarated. He would be the opposite side of the coin. And and I would say too that for some of us watching, it was pretty traumatic too. Absolutely. I mean, for someone like myself who's prone to get those kind of uh, secondary thoughts creep into my mind, I'm thinking, oh, no, this is a nightmare. And you almost, right. you know, I almost kind of felt like I was living it with him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, really uh, the, and the kid, uh, I can't recall his name now, but uh, I think it was just last week in Memphis. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, Garrigus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Robert Garrigus. Uh, it... Uh, it, it's a, it's that same thing, and I and I said to somebody, you know, if you've ever played tournament golf, right, you've had a dream like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've woken up in the middle of the night and gone, oh, thank, thank God, you know. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's and that's the reality of it, you know. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. That, um, you know, if you've played, you've been there, done that. Yeah, that's kind of remarkable that the last two weeks on the PGA Tour we've had these kind of uh, mental uh, breakdowns as severely as they've been, you know, especially, I mean, for Garrigus, he played 71 holes flawlessly, and then the wheels completely came off. Right. And then uh, with Dustin Johnson, he was, 
exceptionally dominant through the first three rounds. So right. it's quite amazing. And uh, it was interesting right. what uh, uh, Dustin Johnson's caddy was saying, and Johnny Miller kept talking about how he was a flatliner, and Johnny Miller said there's no such thing as a flatliner at the U.S. Open, which kind of right. came true, I guess. So Right. Not yeah, well, this is all this is very fascinating. It sounds like, um, you know, from your, your basic, uh, from your swing teaching through, you know, the 3D analysis through especially this stuff, the golf psych and the, right. you know, neuro-linguistic programming, you have a lot of uh, tools in the arsenal. Now, for somebody who is a, uh, a, a golfer and, say, you know, the average 20 handicapper, is, uh, would they benefit from coming and seeing you and working through golf psych and the mindset you know, process? The, uh, the, the golf psych is basically a, it's a uh, it's a complete game improvement plan. You know, I, d- I don't know how much uh, you've gone into their website. You know, but I, what I could do is I could set you up a a little mock town uh, on there, and, and basically, you know, I I take a client, we do the um, the initial assessment, they do the uh, personality profile, we set we set goals, and um, you know, we create a we create a locker online that that they can put their um, they can put their their physical ratings as we call it. You know, so that would be greens and regulation, uh, number of putts, fairway hits, etc. And then also we give them a um, a way of assessing their their um, and grading their mental game round and round, and then they 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 put those scores in there. And and they can actually keep track of um, you know of, of how they're how they're progressing. The huh. typical the typical amateur um, will learn how to improve. So there's there's a uh, you know there's an interest uh, sort of an industry wide belief that that you know you need to have a a good swing before you can be a good golfer. So people, you know, spend years and years and years, um, you know, trying to figure out the, the elusive swing, and yet they step up to the tee with with a real faulty mental game, and the and the faulty mental game will win, you know, virtually every time. So if if Dustin Johnson goes to see his his swing coach to figure out what went wrong yesterday. He's in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I think a lot of a lot of amateurs buy into this belief that you know I got to take lesson after lesson to get the golf club on plane, get my grip right, do this and that. Although that is important to shoot in the 80s, you can be less, much less than perfect. Mm-hmm. And and what the golf psych um, teaches you. Is is simple things like a pre-shot routine. You know, what are the essential things uh, or the process that I go through to hit a shot uh, from point A to point B? Uh, it teaches you visualization. You know, so so uh, the way I describe it is is if if before you ever take a um, a golf club out of your bag, you know, especially in the short game. You've got to create a mental movie of what you want to see the golf ball do. So, um, how high? Where is it going to land? How does the ball react? You know, once it once it lands, uh, which way? You know, how much roll? Which way is it going to break? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And as as much visual detail that you can um, 
you can sort of program in the brain before you ever select a club, then your chances of hitting that shot are are um, are much greater. And uh, you know the fact is is that that most players you know simply take a club out um, and then go into the aspects of making a swing mm-hmm. as opposed to you know being being more artistic and seeing the shot you know which is which is that the way that that the majority of people's brains work um, if you can't see it then it's going to be pretty hard for you to actualize it yeah, that, that that's really fascinating. The whole many of the things you just talked about there were kind of apply to myself too, because I'm thinking, you know, how many times have I just, you know, every day go out and hit a bucket of balls, but then mentally, right. that's where it's all falling apart a lot of times. Right. And effective uh, effective practice. Mm. Um, so when you go to uh, when you go to the range, uh, there's there's a thing that we call block practice, which is which is basically you you get a bucket of balls and then you take your you know typically most people's seven iron is is uh, with the exception of the drivers is the most used club in the bag and their coach told them to fold the right elbow so they they pull a ball over and they start thinking about folding their right elbow and they 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 work their way through the bucket with with that same exact thought. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they can fall in a you know in a positive trance on the range where they um, they start believing that they're actually hitting the ball well because all they're all they're really judging is contact mm-hmm. and, and direction and they may shank one but if the next one goes straight then they forget about the shank you know and then the next three mm-hmm. or four go kind of land in, in general areas that seem to be somewhat straight, you know, with, uh, and then they, you know, they, they hit a couple of poor ones, then they hit a couple of good ones, then they go to the first tee, and now you've got out of bounds right, water left, and you got to carry it, you know, 180 yards over uh, over some high rough or something, mm-hmm. right? And then now the the situation takes their mind out of that block practice. You know, they, they, they didn't go through a routine of, of, of picking a target, uh, visualizing a shot, um, controlling their thoughts, you know, doing a couple of breathing exercises, things like that, that would actually calm themselves down and make, you know, what we would call an effective swing as opposed to a mechanically driven swing, and they hit the ball out of bounds. And you know, then they they tee another one up and they top it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that you know that I always hear is, "Boy, I was hitting it so great on the range," you know. But the, they're not practicing golf uh, the way it's played. Mm, okay. So hitting out into sort of a flat, empty range is is a it's a whole different game. And um, you know, and you, I'm sure you've heard of this is is where we have. Uh, one of the uh, greatest training uh, games you can play on the range is to actually uh, play the golf course. So mm-hmm. uh, you take out, if you hit driver off the first hole, you take out your driver, and then the white flag is the right edge of the rough, and the and the uh, big oak tree on the left is the left edge. And then now you got to hit a shot. 
in between those two spots. Mm-hmm. And then now you, you hit a decent shot, so that would leave me probably a six iron out. So then now you go, you put your driver away and you get your six iron out. Okay, then now the red flag, uh, you know, is 160 yards out or whatever. And then now you go through the process of hitting a shot at the red flag. And then if you if you miss the green and you and uh, you know it it would leave you a, a short pitch, and you take out your wedge and you hit a pitch shot. So mm-hmm. you're actually going through in training, you know, in a in a more um, creative way and actually playing around in your mind. And what what you'll find is is that once you start hitting spots with uh, with different clubs. You know, you actually start hitting the the, uh, the fairway with your driver, and then hitting that six iron on the green. Then you you uh, you know now you're you uh, you play each of the par threes, or where you actually go through and play the entire course. You're not hitting nearly as as uh, as many uh, repetitive shots, but you're you're actually learning how to play golf. And I would Im- imagine that's a much more efficient way to practice as well, too. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, if if you've got a beginner, there is a benefit to to repetition, mm-hmm. to um, to groove uh, feeling and and um, and um, and get the you know get the sort of the muscle memory or the mental memory of of making a swing, but um, you know, really with with even with our with our kids, we're we're teaching them. Um, you know how to play through their senses more than than just standing there and um, doing repetitive practice, like I mentioned earlier. Great. Well, I, thank you very much for your time, you and I will talk to you uh, again. Okay. Great. Thanks, Great. Walter. I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Lou. Goodbye. This has been the Chicago Golf Report podcast. Visit ChicagoGolfReport.com right now for exclusive discount offers. Chicago Golf News and in-depth event listings.